all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machines. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. G'day and welcome to Pello Talk. I'm Dave Pello. It's fantastic to have you joining us this morning. Uh, can I do you, get you to do me a favour and just share this video with some of your friends? Uh, we'd like to see more people watching this uh, video and this channel. Uh, we're basically trying to dilute the lying harlot media by telling the truth and bringing a uh, non-leftist perspective on all things. Uh, today we're going to have a talk uh, about mainly the US election and uh, what went wrong there. There might be some debates and arguments. Uh, where does blame get apportioned? And has anything actually gone wrong? Uh, so we'll get into that. And uh, I look forward to um, seeing your comments and, and sharing your thoughts on the screen. Can we learn anything here in Australia about that? And what does it actually mean for the 2024 presidential election race? Uh, all very interesting. Now, uh, joining me today is uh, Alexandra Marshall, John Ruddock, and in studio, Matthew Littlefield. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for having us, Dave. Now, John, what's the latest with the Senate? Let's start with the Senate race in America. My understanding is that Democrats have retained control. Uh, they have. Okay, so I know the Curry Lake team, and I'm a very big Curry Lake fan, but the Curry Lake team for the last six days have been saying, we're going to win this, we're going to win this, okay, and Fox News has been saying the same thing and Twitter's been saying the same thing. But the most, when, when there's a post-election count that drags on like this, the most accurate indicator is Betfair. And they have increasingly said that Curry Lake is not going to win. I'm oh, sorry, that, that, that's for the governor's race. But well, they lost the Senate race in Arizona. Yeah. I think it's going to end up, uh, well, we've got one more Senate race uh, that's going to be decided in about a month in Georgia. I think the Democrats will win that. Uh, because I think the, the more the ballot gets dragged on, you know, and the, the, you know, they've got a whole month to, to play games behind the scenes. So I think we're going to end up with 51 votes for the Democrats uh, and 49 for the Republicans. Okay, now that is very disappointing. A week ago, wow. I thought, that's right. Now, now, and now then if, if there's ever a Democrat that switches sides, which very occasionally does happen, they've also got another reserve. They've got come up. Kamala Harris, the vice president, can also vote yeah. in the Senate if it's 50-50. Okay, yeah. so that's not looking good in the Senate. Now, in the House of Representatives, where the Republicans, a week ago, Dave, I think I said, I think the Republicans are going to have a historic victory. Mm -hmm. I think it is very, very likely that the Republicans will get the House. It is, it is not yet decided. There are about a dozen seats which are, have not been called. Some of them have got mar margins of like you know 50 votes uh, between the candidates. But the very likely outcome is that the Republicans will have a majority of about two or three seats. Now, wow. this is this is a terrible victory because yes. if there's something controversial comes along, you can usually count on, you know, uh, you know, a few Republicans siding with the Democrats. Half a dozen, maybe. Well, that's right. That's right. And you don't, you don't need many. So that's yeah. not looking good. OK, now then in the, in the governors across America, a week ago, the polls were telling us that that as of they were expecting that by now that we would have thirty Republican governors and twenty Democrat governors. Well, it's looking like it's going to be pretty close to twenty five twenty five. Okay, so this was a very disappointing result for the Republicans. Yes, yeah, it, very much so. I um, I I was under the I think most punters uh, pundits. Uh, certainly on the right wing, were predicting or hoping for as much as a 15-seat majority for the Republicans in the, uh, in the lower house, the Congress uh, in America. And, um, and yeah, that uh, is certainly not going to be the case, that, um, that they have that. Uh, they would be lucky at this stage to get half of that. Eight, a majority of seven or eight in, in Congress would, would be a significant 
uh, loss for the Republicans and a humiliating result. But what you're talking about, um, uh, not even a handful, uh, that's, uh, I mean, there's got to be um, some some self-reflection and, and recrimination going on there. Uh, Alexandra Marshall, have uh, you yeah. been following this and, and the campaign? And, and have you got any thoughts on on uh, lessons to be learnt uh, from the US midterms? Well, I don't want to end up in a war with anybody, but um, I don't know if it was on this program or on Sky, but I said that uh, there were two things that were going to change up the game for these elections that a lot of conservatives were ignoring. Um, the first was Biden's vote buying uh, exercise of Catsley student debt, which I think has had a pretty significant impact on the youth vote, which was very firmly Democrat. And the other mm. thing I said would have an impact was whenever you play with abortion, you tend to lose the female vote. And that's very much come to fruition in these uh, when you look at who voted for what. And I, we've got a world section in The Spectator Australia, so we've got um, a lot of Americans writing for us and they're trying to work out what happened. And one of the big conversations is they think that the, um, the Roe versus Wade fiasco that happened in America has negatively impacted the Republican vote as far as women are concerned. Um, and they're also cautioning against blaming the whole thing on Trump because a lot of commentators are wanting to blame uh, Trumpism for the Republican vote and they're saying it's probably more to do with things like Biden cancelling student debt than uh, Trump. But I don't know what your views are on Trump and his future because that's what the question is being asked at the moment in publications like the Specky of, well, where does that leave the next presidential election given what's happened here? Yeah. Um, Neil Labor commented uh, just a moment ago uh, on screen that the Dems have been cheating. Now, I think that's as sure as the sun rises in the east um, in any given election, but uh, I don't know that it actually affected the outcome um, or, or can't be the, the sole explanation uh, because that, that fails to capitalise on any opportunity to, to learn uh, from this lesson. I think one of the trends that's observable um, isn't so much Trumpism. There were there were quite a few MAGA candidates who did very well, uh, but to to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, granular in the detail uh, of of analysis, it seems like those people who were obsessive in their messaging uh, about uh, about the twenty twenty election um, that the Democratic campaign uh, um, against the stability of democracy, thanks to those candidates, which which is a spurious, false accusation. Um, but there seems to be this thread of consistency that those candidates did worst. Um, Matt, have you got any thoughts on that? I actually agree uh, completely with Alexandra. Uh, I think uh, one of the uh, lefties I like to follow on YouTube, although he drives me crazy often, is Kyle Kalinske. And I don't know if you've heard of him or if any of you have, but he... Uh, shared polls right after the Supreme Court in America overturned Roe versus Wade, their decision. And they all, all, almost instantly swung back to show that the Democrats were gaining and in some places leading. And so I just think Alexandra is correct. Uh, there is well, a lot of- as the, as the only woman here, I can tell you that whether they're conservative women or not, this topic, they won't tell, women will not tell the truth in public if they're conservatives but they will vote a way that you don't like it if you start mucking around with this topic. And that seems to have been a reflection in the American polls. That's a lesson for conservative parties, I think, there. But just to oh, leave yeah, this I, topic alone. I, I disagree with that. That's where I'm going to disagree. What I'm going to say is I agree that that's what happened. I also think it's worth it. Uh, for every child's life, it was saved. 100% agree. Uh, so that's where I disagree. I agree that it has an effect. And I also disagree that... Uh, that um, Republicans should be afraid to anger large parts of the electorate. You've got to think long term. But also on the other issue, you're also... Before you move on for that, I want to, I want to add uh, my agreement that, I mean, this is why um, right-wing parties lose all the time. It's, it's because they're afraid of losing for the right reasons. And so they're afraid to campaign decisively and effectively in, in leadership uh, around the things that they do best. Um, you know, th this isn't a permanent loss, but it was absolutely the right. It, it's like being afraid of losing an election because you abolished slavery. Well, your moral convictions, um, your moral convictions should never be less important than uh, than an election outcome. Absolutely. Conservatives, conservatives will never win another election if they go hard on this issue, I guarantee you. 
They wish what the is, Australian what's, version what's of what we had. Was, no, it, the Australian, the Australian conservative. Can I just finish? The Australian conservative position, what we have now for women in in Australia, our position for the conservative parties, is fine. The position that Republicans are running is quite a different prospect altogether. So what I'm talking about is the Republican position that a lot of them tried to win, damage the female vote, and they will never get that female vote. It doesn't matter how many times they run or how moral they think they are. The women are never going to come to that side. So you can run it. You can say it's fine to lose for the right reasons, but the Republicans will continue to lose forever if they try and stick with it. I don't think Ron DeSantis is going to try it. I think Ron DeSantis, he doesn't say a lot about it. He's more focused on the trans ideology, on protecting kids in school, and that's working for the Republicans. His type, his type of Republicanism is successful. He's worked out what points he can win on the culture wars, and he's going at that. And I think that's why there's a lot of talk about um, Ron DeSantis perhaps saving the Republican Party, but I did note that world writers in The Spectator were saying there's a lot of Republican figures there that he'd have to basically crawl over before he can get anywhere um, and that they're probably not going to give up their position. I don't know if John has anything to say about whether DeSantis can can actually climb over them or not, um, but, yeah, that's what they were talking about. Just before we move on to that, I just want to respond to your second point about uh, forgiving student debt. Conservatives have to recognise that no policy going forward in Western society is going to be more popular or more successful than forgiving debt. I, I believe it's going to be a significant contribution to Dan Andrews winning again in Victoria in uh, later in this month. The amount of people, whether it's their fault or not, and you can we could debate all day about personal responsibility and all that sort of stuff, it's all irrelevant. The amount of people who are under mountains of debt in Western society right now who are struggling uh, if, if a politician says to them, I'm going to take some of that burden off you, whether or not people say, oh, I paid for my, I paid for this, I paid for that, look, I paid for my house, I paid for my car. I understand why people feel that way. Whether or not you feel that way, it's irrelevant. It's kind of the, it's kind of another version of what Alexandra May was just talking about. There'll be many people out there who'll say, you know what, I want that burden lifted. Uh, and so I, I absolutely agree with you. And again, coming back to those leftist polls. People are always going to vote to benefit themselves. Yes, but this this gets to a core issue, which many people in the West, uh, many people, not just in the West, but in, in general, it affects their lives in such a real way. And I wouldn't be surprised if that had more of an impact. Although I do agree with Alexandra, she what she says about the way women think on that issue, we can't disagree with. There's a lot of, there's so much truth in it. And I also agree with you when you say a lot of conservative women just lie. I, don't, I, I know that you're correct about that because I've seen polls about the number of evangelical young women, uh, college women who get abortions in the United States. So I know you're correct about that as well. Even though I disagree with the implications, I still think you've got to stand against it. Mm. But um, it's, I don't think we should stand Yeah, I think it. the facts contributing to what Ali's saying there are correct, like you're saying. I do disagree with the conclusion, though. I don't think that vote is lost forever. I mean, that's, that's as, I mean it, it's, it's just dramatic. That's because you're not a girl. Well, no, it's not because it's not a girl. It's because it's speculation and conjecture, not not based in in anything measurable. I can I can show it's, it's, it's like saying you're on the wrong side of history. I mean, that's speculative at best. Well, a fact that this that destroys that argument is it was evangelical. I use that term loosely, feminists who overturned abortion in the 19th century and got it outlawed. So it was a feminist movement, an advocate socialist feminist movement, which got abortion outlawed. Mm. Uh, and so the idea that women will always stay on one side of, in general, you know, majority on one side of this issue is just historically not correct. So uh, you could disagree with the conclusions there. But in general, your observations, I agree with, uh, are completely right. And then again, that same uh, YouTube... But there is there is a degree of wisdom in, in what Ellie's saying. Um, and, and that is um, that, you know, this is perhaps not the way to campaign. I don't think legislating, uh, you know, justice should be something that right-thinking people should ever shy away from, but it's it's perhaps not something, the, the thing you need to focus all of your energies on. For example, the election outcome, you know, that's a, a moral thing in 2020 to, vi to fight for election integrity. Um, but you do that in policy and not necessarily in making it a central plank of your campaign platforms. You, you have to uh, focus your, certainly your messaging on the things that are going to persuade people to, to vote for you. Uh, so you can answer a question honestly and then move on 
to to the topics that are going to win votes for you and and the initiatives that are going to win votes for you so you you do have to be aware of the demographics that you can win as well as the demographics that you can lose with certain exaggerated campaign messages sorry your thoughts on on that ellie um, that i guess uh acknowledgement concession uh i was just saying that well you're right that there are certain let's call it hills to die on um and if the conservative movement wants to fix the major issues with the country and there are some pretty significant problems that are going on because of um socialist rule let's call it that if they want to um get into power again they might need to think about well what's the biggest fights worth fighting for um the stability of the nation as a whole for the security of the nation to stop us turning into a socialist dictatorship and and focus on them because you're going to like there's a lot of bigger problems that have to be sorted out first if we're going to if republicans for instance are going to take back the nation and stop people falling into a complete and utter financial and energy crisis or ending up in a global conflict which are the things that are currently scratching at the door of america and yeah. trying to fight um divisive and i'm talking about historically divisive things that haven't really been answered in a thousand years those sorts of culture wars are things you do when you're comfortable in leadership not things you do when there are massive and catastrophic economic problems to sort out which is what the republicans have now but i'd like to hear um, john's views on desantis because i there were some very interesting articles that i read about how he will be stopped from getting any further by republicans who think it's their turn to to rule now that trump's not there um, and whether or not you think this uh, wave of energy that's going on is actually going to meet a bit of a brick wall. Before we change topics, and that is an excellent topic to move to next, um, John, just your thoughts on what we've been saying about campaign strategies, important messages, uh, hills to die on, et cetera. Well, on, on the abortion issue, okay, now it has been a very, very big, divisive political issue for 50, 60 years in America. Uh, now, I generally agree with Alexandra's uh, political interpretation of this matter, okay, that it is a loser for the right. Now, what I believe the pro-life movement's focus should be on persuading individuals to uh, not engage in abortions. They should not try to criminalise it, okay? Now, I agree that it is uh, a moral error. Okay, but I think that even if we fully make it illegal, uh, well, it's still going to happen. So, so the libertarian approach to this issue is, is that we should we should be firstly we should be having a much smaller state that doesn't boss us around. The the pro life, which is a very big, well resourced movement, the pro life movement, I truly believe that it should be. Um, uh, not trying to be a lobbyist organisation to change laws. It should be a moral movement to change people's minds on this sub so they can deal with it as an individual. I do believe that is the way forward. And uh, your thoughts on uh, DeSantis and, and the various commentators that, that have uh, speculated about his presidential prospects. Uh, what do you think? I mean... There is certainly a republic. So in Florida, I think there were senators. Um, anyway, there, there was some candidates who were recently elected and did successfully in Florida because they aligned with DeSantis. And then there were others who really aligned with the and then campaigned on and were identified um, as people who were very concerned mainly about the 2020 presidential election and election integrity more aligning with Trump, who didn't do so well in the same state with the same voters. Uh, so your thoughts on, on what DeSantis's personal decisive victory um, means for his chances now at uh, a presidential uh, nomination for 2024? Dave, you are correct to, to, to call DeSantis's victory decisive. It was extraordinary. Okay, now that was, Florida has been the most celebrated uh, swing state in America this century. Now, DeSantis has gone and won at 60-40. This is an extraordinary result. And, it, and you know, 
Florida, Florida has under DeSantis has become the third most populous state in America. So it's a very important state. Now, a week ago, I would have said, I love DeSantis. I want him to be the president, but not yet, not yet, sir. Okay. Now, I, I, I thought, look, he's young. Okay. But given that he was the only one that really did brilliantly, the only Republican that did brilliantly, I think he is clearly, uh, you know, well, look, on the betting markets, he is clearly the favourite, not only to be the Republican nomination, nominee, but also the next president of the United States. Now, wow. and then, <laughs> easily, easily. Now, now this is this is how I see it unfolding. Within the next twelve to twenty-four hours, uh, Donald Trump is going to make his big special announcement. Now, I suspect he's going to announce he's running for president. Okay, now let's just walk. I, I've got there's six ways that this can unfold with Trump and DeSantis. Okay, because I think we're all in agreement that the most important thing that Western civilization needs is a Republican in the White House in two years' time. Okay, now this is how things can, and, and I believe that the most important person to decide who that will be is Donald Trump. Okay, mm. because it's his decisions which are going to affect this outcome. So, number one, these are, these are the six choices Trump has. Firstly, he can endorse Ron DeSantis for president. I don't think he will. I think he's going to run himself. <laughs> that yeah. is option one. Option two is he runs in the primary and he loses to Ron DeSantis. And then after losing the primary, he then uh, gracefully endorses Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Do you think that's in his character? <laughs> well, no, these, these are things that are unlikely, okay? Uh, the next one is he can run and lose to, to Ron DeSantis, but then publicly say after losing the primary, don't vote for Ron DeSantis. Now, what would happen then is uh, most Republican voters will not will, will ignore that advice, but a decent chunk will say, yes, Mr. Pre Mr. Trump, I won't vote for Ron DeSantis. So that would be a disaster. That would guarantee, under those circumstances, even you know Biden could get reelected. Then, then Trump can run and lose to Ron DeSantis, and even worse, run as an independent. He'd wow. get the he'd get the Perot vote. He'd get fifteen percent, and again, he would absolutely guarantee uh, the Democrats in control. Now, then he could. Now, it is it is still quite possible he could run in the primary and win it uh okay that is still quite possible uh but then i believe that donald trump would lose to the democrat and i'm very sorry very sad to say that because i've loved donald trump since the 1980s really okay. i don't think trump could win against uh a democratic candidate a week ago i had uh yeah over the last month i had started to warm up to think that he could uh, but i think in light of what we've seen okay that there is a reasonably strong pattern that the more a candidate was associated with Trump, publicly associated, the more their vote underperformed. There is a pretty, I think we, we should be in agreement that that is the pattern. Now, 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 look, if he, um, I, this the sixth option is that he wins the primary and he wins the general. Now, if that did happen, okay, it would be the greatest comeback since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so, so it would be, it would be, a major historic moment. If anyone can pull it off, it would be Donald Trump. Um, but I just, I just don't. I, I, yeah. Look, look, look. The truth is, that's what Trump's going to try and do. Trump, I believe Trump believes he is on some type of a holy mission, yeah. and Trump believes. I mean, look, a lot of political leaders believe that God's on their side and Providence is backing them. Okay. Uh, but I think Trump, yeah, sort of probably believes it a little bit more. Okay, now, um, but I, ju I just, look, I, I think uh, the results of last week show that that's pretty unlikely. Can I put something to all of you? There's something I saw written that I thought was very interesting um, because people are trying to work out why they are so wrong about America. And the line that I saw is the rest of the world doesn't understand what the American people want right now in 2022. And if you look at their current present, they seem to be moderately happy or accepting about having a president who does not know where he is or who he is most of the time and the government is run by other people. And if they went to polling today, the likelihood is that Biden would be re-elected, which says something about the ideology of the American people. Like, What does America want and do we even know anymore um, mm. as observers of America 
what America wants. Yep. There's no unified America anymore. I mean, well, I, some comment that I heard, which I think is true, is that uh, what uh, the reason why the Democrats did so well, um, you know, Biden has to get some credit for it, if we're being honest. Um, and, and there are some people in comments who are very upset that we're, we're not um, ringing bells in the echo chamber and um, possibly finding out that Trump doesn't walk on water. And I hate to break it to you, but it's a good idea to consider the possibilities that Trump is not the Messiah. Um, and the reality is that uh, the best things about Trump that I love, that I find endearing, um, are also liabilities in a political career. He, he doesn't know how to play the game. He just can't, and I love that. Um, he yep. he's a sledgehammer. He comes in. He's iconoclastic, and he just destroys everything. And I, and I can't say it enough. I love that. That is totally needed. But there comes a point where you have to be uh, cunning as serpents in this and actually, you know, pick your battles, what hills to die on and campaign in an effective and strategic way because politics is not uh, won by idealists. It's, win, it's won by pragmatists. It's the art of the possible. Uh, and, and, you know, you and I and people who love these right-wing independent media shows um, we're idealistic. We want it to be that way. And we won't hear any criticism of Trump or our side or people we agree with. And that is a strategic liability that dooms us to opposition forever. We have to be wiser. We have to be shrewder. Uh, and we have to be more cunning. We have to learn from the left if we want to be in government and do the good things. John... Um, can, can I ask you, John, uh, you know, let's let's say Trump is able to campaign effectively for the primary selection and can, sorry, I actually forgot to mention that the, the reason Joe Biden is successful right now is despite reality. The reality is he's very dangerous for America. He, he's incredibly partisan and, and fascistic towards anybody who disagrees with him, grossly intolerant and punitive in, in policy, but he is perceived as safe. He's perceived as, as moderate, even though he's a radical. And, and that's the problem, is Trump is perceived as a radical and, and what he needs to learn from Biden, believe it or not, is how to be radical and be perceived as safe. Ellie, you're trying to jump in. Yeah, I was just going to say, it doesn't really get to my the point of what people are asking. Is I mean, this is the, the Democrats are meant to be the diversity is my strength mob, the ones who want, they want women in power, they want um, people of a different, different ethnic class in power, um, and yet what they've got is a doddering old white man, as they would call it, at yep. the top of the country, and they make excuses for him being the best possible. That's, that's who they chose. That's who this group of people chose as their leader. And it's not like it was an accident they now regret. They're happy with him being this way. And so what I was trying to get to is what does that say about what America really wants as their leader? Do they like weakness in their leadership? Do they perceive themselves to be weak as a nation or weak individuals and they're happy to have a weak leader? They don't seem to actually value strength and clarity in leadership anymore. And that was sort of what people were asking. That's maybe perhaps why we keep getting these races called incorrectly because people are, are not voting as we expect. Yeah. Trump's record also isn't that great. I mean, I'm a, I've always been a fan of the great man. Uh, I've, what I've, do you mean he's not great? I think he's done an amazing list of accomplishments well, as president. Well, let me lay out his advantages and disadvantages, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think his record is... I'll tell you if you're wrong. <laughs> Go, Dave. His, his record isn't that great. He ran on an anti-war... Um, he ran on an anti-war populist platform where he was going to improve Americans' lives markedly. Now, he started to achieve some of that. He started no new wars, which is, to me, a big positive. He improved the economy. His trade war were trying to prove that tariffs were going to help America because America is such a strong, productive country. Mm. So he actually did improve um, people's lives. He, he got the right judges in place, which we've also already seen the effect of, and that will have a lasting legacy. So I'm not saying he didn't do anything good. But a lot of that was undermined by what happened in 2020. When you have the virus come out, he empowered lockdowns. He empowered Fauci. Uh, he didn't handle the rights very well. Uh, and by the, no matter what you believe about shenanigans going on with the election in the background, 
uh, he was losing a whole bunch of America. I just look at it from a perspective. If there had been a Democrat in charge, I know for a fact myself and most of my right wing friends or even just conservative friends or whoever would have been saying, man, this person cannot rule this country. The, The whole place is anarchy. And he gave that image, his entire... Uh, the entire second half of 2020 undermined all the advantages of what he did. Then, um, yeah, COVID, that, I, I think it's fair to say COVID really did ruin Donald Trump's presidency. Uh, but he, just, even the way he handled COVID, I mean, he's the one who pushed Operation <clears throat> Warp Speed, which put an experimental vaccines into the hand of tyrants, who then, uh, now he didn't mandate it, no. but he put the people in place who then took over. So it, he, they, the Republicans couldn't even run on a platform of, we're the ones who protected you from COVID craziness, except for one or a couple. And one of those mm. Republicans who could was Ron DeSantis. Now, he didn't just win because he was popular. He also reset the electoral map to make sure that he had a better chance than any other Republican governor. We can talk about that. But what I just point out is Trump's record isn't as good as a lot of people who look at him with rose-tinted glasses think. And a lot of people I know who are massive Republican fans are very angry at him, also angry at the way that he... Uh, pardoned certain criminals, but abandoned certain other people that they think he should have protected. So his legacy is mixed, uh, to say the least. Yeah, and, um, I, 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 and I say that as someone who's a big fan of Trump. And those of you hearing me say this for the first time might not believe me, but I have a Make America Great Again hat sitting right in front in my front door. You walk in, you look up, you will see it sitting up there. Mega I was, credentials. I was a big fan of Trump. I, I lo- And I call him a great man still, but his flaws... Uh, did do him damage. Yeah. To be fair, he had a lot of, like, if you talk about the riots, for instance, well, the Republican voters aren't going to set city streets on fire for months on end. So the fact that Republican presidents have more struggles than Democrats is because of the behaviour of the opposition. So when you've got Democrats, whose entire mantra it is, is to literally burn the state down until they get into the White House. That's something that's it's difficult for a Republican president to handle in, in a way that you don't have Republicans doing a Black Lives Matter rally every other week and, and tearing down the structures of Democrat leaders and you don't have them burning down literal, like, you know, city blocks and businesses and assaulting people in the street. That's something that Biden doesn't have to handle because it's his people who, who put through that reign of terror and now they're quiet because Biden's in charge. So and you have to say that there is some... Trump's authority to intervene. He can't just send the National Guard into a state and and effectively invade uh, because every state in America is sovereign. Um, That's my point. So Biden doesn't have to deal with that, but Trump did. And the only reason that Trump had to deal with it is because the Democrats were using that violence as a way to say, look how terrible this presidency is. Well, they could do it again. There's nothing's changed. There's nothing, nothing has changed politically for that movement, except that they've got a Democrat in power. That's the only difference between now and when Trump was about. It's all true. It doesn't change the fact that it tarnished his legacy. And you are correct. Matt, it was in Matt, between Matt, the rock and the Yep. Matt, I enjoyed your analysis of Trump, okay? And I basically am on board with it, okay? You're dead right. His greatest achievement was no wars. It's been a long time since American president has gone into no wars. And there was a couple of times where under the circumstances with Iran and others where other presidents would have declared war, Trump said no. That was great. Not only did he make the economy boom, he made the economy particularly boom for low-income earners. So that's yeah. fantastic. Okay, now, on the COVID stuff, I agree Trump made a mistake with the vaccine in particular, but this is a made, This is where I will dif- dif- differ from you. COVID was a tool to, to bring down Trump, okay? If exactly the same virus came along, and, I, you know, I believe it was just basically, you know, a freak result of nature. It might have escaped from the lab, but even then, you know, it was basically... A piece of nature was in the lab, amended a little bit and escaped, whatever. But if if the same virus with the same lethality came along and Obama was up for re-election, it yeah. would have been something that would have made page five of the Sydney Morning Herald, there's a pretty bad virus out there. They, now, what they, they saw how much they can weaponise it. They made COVID 20 times worse than it was and then they blamed it all on Donald Trump. This, Absolutely this correct. In, in, early, in early February 2020... We had, the Dem- we had the Democratic primary in full swing. And who's winning it? Bernie, the communist, and Biden, the geriatric. So that yes. Trump was way ahead to win the presidency on the betting markets, okay? Now, then what happened was, and, and they've tried to impeach, and the impeachment failed in February 2020, the first impeachment. Okay, so they, they've, they've, they've thrown everything at Trump. He's on track to win. 
They've got deadbeats running against him. You know, Pocahontas, Mayor Pete, you know, all these other nobodies. Okay, and then what happens is the virus comes along, okay? Just a bad seasonal flu, okay? But, but you know, bad flus are bad, okay? But they made this 20 times worse than it was. Now, then on the vaccine, yes, okay? I mean, I've been against the bloody you know, compulsory vaccinations from before they started talking about it. I, yeah, Trump failed there, okay? But look, I, I sort of give the guy a pass because there was such extreme pressure Okay, that he sort of had to do something. Trump did get in trouble throughout 2020 for not being anti-COVID enough, okay, you know, from the Democrats. They're saying, oh, it's all because he knew that all these people are dying, Mr. President. So, look, I, mm. I, that's, not, that's not why I would not support Trump because of the COVID situation and the vaccine situation. Okay, now, look, I, the, the January 6th situation uh, was, I, I believe these, these, this speculation that there was FBI agents in there making it worse i believe there's probably some truth to that but at the end of the day trump deserves responsibility for calling that stupid rally on the day of the electoral college saying <laughs> let's go to congress trump does deserve that 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 was the sort of major blow for me okay now then i thought that with the passage of time we could get over it i don't think we have gotten over it can we uh, can we agree that part of trump's problem was that he, there was this huge um net around the presidency at the moment in politics where there's a lot of bureaucracies um, and shadowy people who are actually in control of government. We have the same problem here in Australia. And Trump mm -hmm. was one of the first presidents to try and actually dismantle that web of control over decisions and over government. And so because he struggled so much, like actually against the, the hold, they, the whole forces of these people came down upon him and tried to get rid of him. Now, the next Republican president who tries will have the same problem as Trump because Trump didn't get rid of this um, bureaucratic control over America. He just basically showed that it existed. He proved the point that, that, that it was there and that they'll stop at nothing to get rid of somebody who actually acts in the in the um, interest of the people. So whoever makes it to the presidency next time, whether that's Ron DeSantis or whether that's somebody else, if they try the same thing as Trump, they will face the same problems as Trump. And is there any advice on how they can handle that differently? Because obviously the forces are going to amass against them to try and protect their entrenched positions. DeSantis has already done some things to, um, to help himself in Florida there, but just to answer your, which I think might be relevant, but... To, I think everything you guys have just said, I agree 100%. I'm not disagreeing that they they didn't use COVID to take him down. I, I absolutely. I was watching the um I was watching the Democratic primaries and I was watching how feckless they were and it was actually kind of funny and entertaining. And and Biden wasn't even a close second to Bernie. Bernie was killing it. Biden was just the the um the uh, the candidate that the established Democratic establishment elites coalesced around to take down Bernie. And then Bernie just didn't attack him. He didn't go after him and mm. basically folded the race. It was very much a uh, concerted effort. And then I agree with everything you said, but it doesn't change the fact that many of the Americans I know, they don't care because he failed to defeat those forces. So they see him as a spent force. Mm. And so at times she's like, now, it, it, would we have done any better? Probably not. Trump probably did better than most. And I agree with everything that you said, John, and what you said, Ellie, Alexandra. I nearly said Ellie May, but I've been training myself not to. <laughs> Ellie, Ellie, sorry. That's a weird That's a weird combination. You can pick Ellie or Alexandra <laughs> or Ellie Melly, but Ellie May, I, I draw the line there. It's only, it's only because you haven't watched enough Beverly Hillbillies. Yes, I grew up on that show. So my brain always goes there. But I agree with you completely that those dark forces are there, but people are not going to... Not as many people want to get behind the guy who couldn't beat them. And that's part of what I'm saying. Mm. And I, I don't disagree that they're there. And I don't disagree that it's a hard fight. And I don't know if DeSantis is the guy to defeat it, but um, he's, he's shown that he can win in a way that no other Republican in, in the last few years can. Yeah. Uh, let's have a quick word from our sponsor, the Church and State Conferences, and uh, we will... Um, watch this short promo video. G'day, my name is Dave Pello. I'm the founder and convener of the Church and State Conferences, which are held around Australia. And on the 26th of November, a Saturday afternoon, we're gonna be in Dolby with five speakers, uh, bringing you a fun and interesting afternoon. Uh, the point of the Church and State Conference is to help Christians be better informed and better involved in the public square. Uh, I'm Ken Ham, 
CEO and founder of Answers and Genesis Creation Museum in the Arkinkata. We're doing our best to impact people with the truth of God's word and the gospel and be able to equip them with a Christian worldview so they can go and impact others in the church and in the culture. And so the number one issue, 91% of Christians in Bible-believing churches says, I need to hear about abortion. I found out about the Church and State Conference that's being held in Dolby November 26, and I wanted to give you an invitation to attend that. Separation of church and state does not mean that the church should have nothing to do with politics. It means that the state has no right to dictate our faith. You know, we need to raise up more and more people. We need to raise up young people who are equipped to be able to defend the Christian faith and impact church and culture uh, for the Lord. Number two, 86% of church-going Christians said, I need to hear about religious persecution liberty. I need to know the personal duty, the government duty, the church response, and the global conditions. Not many people know, but at the moment, the Queensland government is putting together legislation that will potentially prevent Christian schools from hiring Christian staff. Update me, give me the information. I I'm willing to go out and defend this stuff. I just don't know what to say. That's what they're asking the pulpit to do. Friends, there is a real fight on. And on the 26th of November in Dolby at the Church and State Conference, I want to talk to us about this and I want to help us uh, come up with some solutions to this great problem. And this is a really exciting thing. It's a great legacy that the church has in advocating for liberty of conscience in society. And what a lot of people don't know is how much impact the church had on society for good. It's important for Christians to be salt and light in the public square, especially in a democracy where our influence is invited literally by the authority that God has ordained. It's really important for people to understand that the church does have a place in politics. In fact, what I want to talk to you when I come down on the 26th is that the state needs the church. So please come to Church and State Summit Dolby on the 26th of November. You can get your tickets and you need to get your tickets quickly. Don't leave it to the last minute because seats are limited and they are always popular. We always have people last minute uh, and some sadly will miss out. Uh, but grab your tickets from churchandstate.com.au forward slash Dolby. And I look forward to seeing you there on the 26th of November. John, what I want to ask you about now is the hypothetical. Let's say Trump is going to win the Republican nomination. He's going to announce for presidency. He's going to win the nomination. He's going to win the election, uh, which takes us up to 2028 uh, when he can't serve again. Uh, at that time, Ron DeSantis will have been out of the public eye for two years because of his own term limits as government. Is that going to be a major impediment to him at that time, uh, making a, an insurmountable obstacle? Or do you think he can still win a presidential campaign in 2028 after having not been the governor for, for two years? Oh, yeah. Look, I, th I think that will probably only be helpful because he won't be distracted by his uh, governor duties. Interesting. I mean, Ronald Reagan was the governor of California in the 60s and then he was a private citizen in the 1970s and then he became the president in the 1980s. So I think that would be a positive. Uh, <clears throat> look, I think I think the um, 2028, I, I used to think it would be uh, somebody like Ron, Ron DeSantis or uh, Carrie Lake, which unfortunately has been damaged in the last week. Um, but the, of course, a huge factor on 2028 is, is who is going to be the, the, the Democratic candidate in 2024. Now, this is going to be really great theatre, okay, because uh, we've got Joe Biden there. Now, clearly, I think the Democratic establishment does not want him to recontest. I think after the last week, Joe Biden will announce quite soon that he is running again in 2024. And that is actually very good for the Republican Party. Hasn't he uh, already? Well, hasn't he already in, in the post-election interviews um said that he's doing that or have i have i he he went close but he right. said that he'll make a decision early in the new year he'll make a okay. public decision early in the new year look i think that team biden will very much say joe you've got to run again you know look look at these midterms uh there, there's there's no question these midterms 
for a first-term president were about as good as they possibly get. Mm. Okay, now George George W. Bush had a good midterm in 2002, but that was a year after 9/11, and the country was still in shock. I mean, there's you know, mm. the country's been going to hell under Joe Biden, uh, but but he still had this result. And look, I, I think something that we haven't touched on, but the biggest, I, I'm not saying that there was outright fraud in this election or in 2020, but I am saying that the Democrats have engineered a complicated voting system and a long voting system that sometimes goes on for six weeks. Yeah. Okay. And the more process they put into it, so Republicans sit around and say, let's pray for a good result. Okay. Well, while we're doing that and, 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 and the Republicans are trying to, persuade people's minds to say, look, voting for Republicans is the right thing. Democrats don't worry about that. That's why they often hide their candidates in the basement and don't turn up to debates. The Democrats put all of their effort into engineering the process, understanding the process, and mm. going out and not winning votes, but harvesting ballots. And there's a difference. Harvesting ballots is, you know, like, uh, you know, when you, you everyone gets sent ballots or whatever or can request ballots. The Democrats are brilliant at the machinery, and we mm -hmm. we try we we innocently sit back and say, look, if we make a good argument, people will vote for it. So what the Republicans have got to do is, is basically say, look, we've got to go back to traditional democracy, which is there's one election day, and we're going to count all those votes on election day, okay? Mm -hmm. And if you happen to not be able to make it that day, either too late or too bad, or if you're overseas or whatever, either too bad you can't vote or have a very, very, very small exception saying, look, you've got to make a very good case for why you can't vote on election day. And with only like one or two percent of people in that category. Have you noticed that whenever there's a dragged on process, the more the more the more crap that goes on, the more likely it is that the Democrats win. And of course, this is how Trump lost in 2020. Uh, I mean, I basically endorse everything that the great Dinesh D'Souza says in, in 2000 and mules. He wasn't saying fraud. He wasn't saying that the, that the but the counting machines were uh, corrupted, which I don't think they were. I think it's very unlikely that's the case. But Dinesh D'Souza basically just says, look, everyone in America, because of the so-called pandemic, got mailed out a ballot. And there is an underclass in America. You know, sadly, we won't get into the reason for the why there's an underclass, but there is about 10 to 15 percent of America which live in, you know, not great conditions. All those people are on government welfare. Although the government has their address, they get sent a, ma um, a, ba a ballot. A lot, a lot of the people would not typically vote, mm -hmm. but Democratic operatives go around and collect the ballot papers. Now the Republicans mm -hmm. just don't think about doing this because we're too nice. But anyway, twenty twenty four. Is that a, is that illegal in all states or most states? The harvest. Oh, look, I suspect, no, I suspect that is illegal. So if if, if you want to, yes, I suspect f collecting a ballot paper on look. It, it, it's hard to know whether, okay, look, I, I was involved in the New South Wales Liberal Party for 25 years, okay, all the factional corruption that goes on in the Liberal Party is based on mail-in ballots when they vote for their executives, okay? Factional uh, thugs would knock on doors, say, hand over your ballot paper, and guess what? 80% of people bloody well would. Well, this is what happened in America in 2020. That it's still in some states, they're still doing these mail-out ballots, okay? But look, the whole process, the more they drag it on, the more corrupt it is, and it always goes one way. The Democrats mm. way. But yeah. I thought I thought the Republican primary for 2024 was going to be boring. I thought Trump's going to run. Trump's going to win. There'll be some deadbeat never Trumper run against them. OK, with a lot of money and TV ads. But Trump was going to win at 80, 20. Well, I think Trump's probably going to lose the primary now to Ron DeSantis. But it's going to be one hell of a battle. It's going to be fantastic. What if Ron DeSantis doesn't run? Oh, uh, well, okay, well, okay. Well, look, I basically think he's got no choice now. I think that he basically, I think that he was 50-50 a week ago. And I mm. think after winning six, after winning the third biggest state in the union, 60-40, I don't think he's got a choice. And look, all the baddies in the Republican Party, the Bushes, the Cheneys, the Romneys, all the rhinos, all the smart asses, okay, all the warmongers, they're all getting in behind Ron DeSantis. The left is getting in Ron, behind Ron DeSantis because they just hate Trump. They don't care that he's right wing, you know, very right wing on pretty much everything. They don't care about that. They just want to get rid of Trump. So every uh, Trump and Ron DeSantis is going to have a ton of money, okay? Uh, and um, so, but look, uh, look, look, Trump. This is why Trump should endorse Ron DeSantis because DeSantis is a product of Trump. Okay, there would be no Ron DeSantis if there was no Trump. Okay, Trump mm -hmm. showed the way. Now, unfortunately, yeah. Trump is unfortunately going to have to be a martyr in his own movement. Uh, but anyway, 
will, will, but the Democratic primary is also going to be fascinating. In fact, it's going to be more fascinating because Biden's going to want to run. If he does fall over, look, he could drop dead. He's so bloody old. Uh, Kamala's going to want to run. Now, I, I believe the Democratic candidate, the winner of the primary, will be the Californian governor, Gavin Newsom. I think that one way or another, they'll end up with Gavin Newsom. As the Democratic candidate for 2024. Interesting. Yes, correct. Correct, correct. He's like the anti-freedom candidate. He's like the anti-DeSantis. Well, in the, middle of the, in the middle of the pandemic, they recalled him. Now, I, we support, the, the Liberal Democrats are big supporters of recall elections, where you get a petition for 5% of the electorate saying, we want a fresh election. Mm. Usually, usually, if you can get the 5% to trigger a recall election, usually you lose the, you lose the, the recall election. Now, they got, they got the ballot, they got the signatures to have a recall against the governor of the biggest state in the union, California, and Newsom won by a bigger margin than what he'd been previously re-elected. So recall elections can badly backfire if you're trying to hurt the person, and it badly backfired and helped Gavin Newsom immensely because he walked around that saying, hey, you know, I've got recalled, but guess what? The people love me more than ever. Now, Newsom is all gearing up. the Obama, Obama is the most important, most powerful person in the uh, Democratic Party by a mile, Mm -hmm. And he does not like Joe Biden because he's worked so closely with him for eight years and he knows how much of a low IQ moron and basically financially corrupt he is. Yep. Biden did not, uh, uh, sorry, Obama did not want Biden, but he couldn't do much about it because of the, these Democratic primaries, okay, which, you know, uh, but but the, the Obamas and all these, and the Hillarys and the, you know, the, the Nancy Pelosi's, I think they're all moving behind Mr. Newsom. Just, just forget for just forget for a moment the personalities involved. We, I mean, we talked a lot about you know, uh, Bidens and the Trumps and the whatever. Basically, people know that life is cheaper under Republican leadership and more expensive under a Democrat, regardless of who it is. Now, the prime, sorry, these um uh, midterms, the obviously the cost of living wasn't far enough or high enough for uh, people to turn on the Democrats. But do you think that by the next the next uh, presidential election, the cost of living will become the main priority of enough people to vote Republican regardless of who's standing? We might be in a big war by 2024, and that would change Well, if China, China reaches for Taiwan, we will be, yeah. Well, I mean, America's put troops on the border of Ukraine. Uh, you know, they've got... Um, and arguably troops in Ukraine. So, I mean, that could that could easily uh, spiral out of control. And so- okay, let's, just, let's pretend there's no war, but if there's no war and we're just rolling along with our cost of living crisis, could that turn an election? Because I'm interested in Victoria, like, we've got Victoria election coming up and they're gonna vote Dan Andrews again. Like, you know that the Victorians are going to do that. So mm -hmm. there doesn't seem to be reaching a threshold where cost of living is affecting people enough to turn around and go, okay, enough of Labor, enough of Democrats, let's go and vote for Conservatives again. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I think the economy is in a very, very, uh, talk about the global economy, I think it's, in a, it's perilous. All the governments have gone and got themselves into so much debt around the time of the GFC, never paid it off, made it worse, and then COVID comes along and they've doubled it. So the government debt is out of control. Uh, taxes are high, regulation is high, green taxes, uh, uh, green tape is everywhere. Then we've got this inflation, uh, which is, is seemingly out of control, and then we've got GDP very, very low. We've got bad leadership. The, total, the, the, the 2020s is the total opposite of the 1980s. In the 1980s, we had good leadership pretty much all around the world. Even Labor leaders, even left of centre leaders were good in the 1980s. They were all pro-capitalism, pro-deregulation. That's why we, everyone was happy and we won the Soviet, won the, won the Cold War. We've got, now, it's the opposite of everything right now. We've got dreadful leaders everywhere and particularly on economics. Okay, so uh, your question, Ali, is yes, that, that could be, uh, that, that, that would help the Republican Party if the People can feel the inflation uh, bite right now. But, you know, most people can put up with prices going up 10%. What they can't put up with is um, not having a job. And what has so far happened in the COVID hangover, because it was COVID, not silly Ukraine, that caused the bloody inflation. Uh, but the mm -hmm. people can put up with lo we're losing 10% of their income because prices have gone up 10%. They can't put up with losing 100%. And in no Western country yet has unemployment ticked up. 
Okay, we've actually still got low unemployment everywhere. Okay, but I mean, how I'm I'm worried about how long that that will remain the case. Well, unemployment is guaranteed to go up next year because Labor is um, penciled in, or not penciled in, but they're planning to bring in record immigration, which is going to immediately put pressure on wages and put pressure on employment, and it's also going to put pressure on the prices of a lot of things. Uh, right. So uh, that that's people are going to feel a lot of the interest rate rises, all of that sort of stuff, which has been happening. You know, uh, um, the inflation is going to really start hitting people in early 2023. But a big, a big problem with 2024, and I, and I see this in this election too, is this wasn't really Republicans versus Democrat this election. This was the elites versus the people. And the Republican Party made sure that they shot to their right. You know, it, 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 what I mean is they attacked the candidates to their right to make sure that, that not too many of them won. So that the that the um, the Republican Party leaned to the you know the elite center and the Democratic Party was able to capitalize on that. Really, the elites looked after themselves and the people uh, were the ones who suffered from this election. They will, and what Alexandra said is absolutely correct. <laughs> They're going to have a more expensive life and a harder life under these elite rulers. But if the elites continue to coalesce around each other on both sides of the ballot, then that that means that the twenty twenty four election could go either way. It would depend which candidate made the elite more happy because yeah. uh, they, they do not want someone like a Trump coming in and breaking it. Uh, and, and that might be why that uh, there's, there's pressure on DeSantis not to go any further because he is, he's shown that he can actually break some of that elite controls. He actually re redrew the electoral maps in Florida, which is part of the reason why he won so aggressively, so successfully. And part of the Republican elite want, uh, tried to stop him doing that in that actual, before that actual election. So, We've got to factor in the uh, that, they are, that, that, that there is actually a university, universal elite across the parties, a uni-party elite, which will make sure that they retain power and the people are going to suffer under that. Yeah. Uh, I think there's some wishful thinking in, in comments um, talking about how uh, it's going to be some kind of rigging or something that guarantees um, the election for, <laughs> for Daniel Andrews. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's just not America. We don't have electronic voting. Um, we've got very good systems and rigidity, and it's incredibly hard to steal an election in Australia, and, and that's why America is such a basket case. It's because there's nations like Australia with far less uh, wealth and capacity, and we're just doing it in a very robust um, and... Traditional. Traditional way, a simple, we keep it simple and it works. I mean, voting is not a difficult process. The problem is that they try and overcomplicate it and then yeah. it becomes easy to corrupt. But with Victoria, I think the main problem, and this is a problem around the world, we have pathetic, pathetic conservative leadership. And while ever we have just crap in the opposition who offer no benefit, I think we're going to keep seeing people like Daniel Andrews re-elected because what are you going to get in return? You're going to get Matthew Guy. What did he do during the COVID nightmare, the dictatorship of COVID? Bugger all is what he did. Yeah. And so people don't look to him and go, he's going to save us. You know, Matthew Guy, the saviour, he's offered nothing that demonstrates that he can possibly do that. He hasn't promised to recall all the draconian dictatorship legislation. It's like, oh, we'll look at it. No, his answer should be, we'll take all of that away and make sure it never happens again. He just doesn't have any internal courage and that's because the liberals whether you want to admit it or not in victoria are basically greens who try to say well we're we're still conservative but we uh we're still going to build a hundred thousand e-cars and make sure that we build all the batteries and everything i mean they're basically greens it's it's 100 percent right ellie the yep. reason um daniel andrews <laughs> and labor is going to win the victorian election is because there is no opposition the the liberal party is mia there's a mere handful of genuine uh, Liberal Party conservative or libertarians in in the parliamentary ranks of the Liberal Party. Um, they are overwhelmingly moderate, i.e. belong in Labor, uh, and, and there's no opposition. Matthew Guy is a proven loser who will lose again. Um, they, will, they will not gain seats. They will lose seats. Uh, and and wow. Daniel Andrews, I mean Daniel Andrews is corrupt, dictatorial, and, and wicked. Um, but for the case of Victorians, who are a demographic by and large, who aren't but aren't loving liberal governments, um, they overwhelmingly approved of of authoritarianism. They 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 are guilty of safetyism, the idolatry yeah. of statist safetyism, where. 
freedom isn't the most important thing to them. Justice isn't the most important thing to them. The only hope I have for the Victorian election is that uh, the independent in what's his name in um, in Cook, Cook in in the seat of Mulgrave can personally defeat Daniel Andrews. The best outcome we can pray and hope for in the Victorian election um, is is that Daniel Andrews himself has his political career ended. Uh, that puts some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and it's got nothing to do with election integrity, but uh, the lack of integrity in the Liberal Party parliamentary ranks and um, the lack of intelligence amongst Victorian voters, uh, well, generally, by and large, those people watching this show obviously excluded. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let, let's well, go around. Just... Ellie, I'll, I'll get you to start with final comments on, on this comments and then final comments for the whole show. We're just past the hour now. Let's wrap it up, bring it home to land. Ellie, John, Matthew... And then I'll say goodbye. I'll just say this. Politics is by definition an extension of war. We created politics to stop ourselves from descending into conflict, either civilly or internationally. It's like a peace broker. And so because then the consequence of failing at politics is war. So the point is, because, conf, uh, because politics is part of conflict and part of war, you require strong leadership. And I think human beings understand that at some fundamental level. So if you offer up someone who is a weakling, who can't fight, who's clearly going to be a liability rather than an asset, then human beings will vote for the tyrant a hundred times out of a hundred every single go because they at least a tyrant on their side is safer than an idiot weekly and we the liberals have to understand that they can't be nice all the time they can't have their right. primary concern as being friendly press conferences no they have to be a commander they have to be like alexander the great out there waging war on the left day in day out because if they don't show strength not a single person will vote for them. And they, instead of taking their losses as, oh, we have to move further to the left, they should think we lost because we're weak. And that is the lesson that conservatives need to take and to stop being such, you know, I won't say it on your program, Dave, but I think everyone's getting a bit frustrated with this lack of understanding on conservative politics. Yeah, fair. Um, Alexandra Marshall, you can find more of her at um, Ellie Melly on Twitter. Uh, and she's got links there where you can uh, find her writing and, and support her. And, of course, tune in to The Spectator online, which Ali Melly edits and wonderfully curates many articles from many right thinkers and others. Uh, John Ruddick, uh, your final thoughts for the show, please. Okay, so I'm 52, Dave, and I can confidently say the worst Australian leader in my lifetime has been Dan Andrews and that Fair. he has... I mean, other state leaders, when we're doing the lockdowns, I think that they were uh, uncomfortable about it. I think that Dan Andrews relished it. He thought it was a hoot. He thought it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. He got, remember, he, he talked about his donut days. Oh, we haven't had one person having COVID here because we've locked everybody down. Well, then everybody got COVID anyway. Now, uh, I want to end on a positive note. I think it's still quite possible there could be a shock result. And I'll tell you why. And Look, I do believe it's a, basically a referendum on Dan Andrews, uh, but I think that there's like, you know, a reasonable chance there could be a shock result in uh, 10, 11 days. I'll tell you why. Victoria has this very strong pattern. You can check it out uh, on, on the Wikipedia. Uh, a very strong pattern between alternating their government in Victoria with their government in Canberra. Okay, so when, um, you know, so when there's a Liberal government in Canberra, they go Labor and vice versa. Now, it's not a perfect pattern, but I tell you what, it's pretty close to it. Okay, now, Jeff Kennett was a fantastic Premier in the 1990s, and he really mm. turned Victoria around, and then he's coming up for re-election in 1998. Uh, the polls said he would win up until the news poll on the day of the election, which said it would be a line ball thing, so news poll got that right as usual. Um, uh, but the polls said Jeff Kennett's going to win. Everybody loved Jeff Kennett. No, no one ever knew, knew much about the alternative. But because we were by this stage about three years into the John Howard government, a Liberal government in Canberra, the Victorian voters surprised the nation. They said, OK, Liberal in Canberra, we'll go Labor in Victoria. And the same thing happened in 2010. We've got Kevin Rudd in Canberra. And then there's a state election. And who did they vote for? They voted for the Liberal Party in Victoria. And then they went back to Dan, they went back to Labor when Tony Abbott won. So I'm just saying, I reckon, I, I, I reckon it's, I reckon it's 
50-50 this Victorian election. Very interesting. And I, I hope I'm devastatingly wrong and that Labor is swept into the ocean and uh, Liberals soar to victory where we will have mini Dan Andrews in Matthew Guy. Um, uh, at least he's, well, let me not insult him any further. The, the, the fact is it's not going to be much of an improvement, but at least it won't be Dan Andrews one way or another. Uh, Matthew Littlefield. I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor, but praise God, our hope is in the King. Oh, the yes. Jesus Christ. And one of my favourite passages in the whole Bible says that God looks down on the machinations of our leaders and he laughs. <laughs> he, yeah. he finds it entertaining psalm and you can yes yeah, some too exactly and you can see why because there's a lot of craziness there is a lot of insanity and i thank god that my hope is not in that and i hope for you listening to that your hope is in jesus christ as well but let me encourage you that doesn't mean we don't get engaged in politics because we want our politics to be submitted to the king as well and to do what's right and yeah. so i thank god for efforts like this let me encourage you to continue to advocate for the true the good beautiful and the good in the political realm because there's a lot of craziness out there and uh, we need to see it stop. 100%. Um, thank you, Matt. And thank you, uh, John and Alexandra Marshall, for your contributions today. And thank you to the viewers who uh, have watched, shared, commented, and, uh, and especially those supporters who contribute a monthly amount to help us do this professionally and, and full-time uh, as uh, to the best of our abilities. We're looking forward to growing, adding staff and, and services, particularly a new service, uh, which a video news service to uh, you know provide an alternative to the uh, Lying Harlot Media, which is at 6 p.m. every night. If you've turned that off, would you please consider becoming a monthly supporter of The Good Source for $10 a month? We want to build towards doing that that daily video news service. But that is it for this show. Um, let me remind you, that tickets are available, free tickets for the Church and State Conference in Dolby. We're able to do it free because of local partners um, sponsoring heavily and just putting a lot of work into it. Um, we're expecting a, a full room in one of the local churches there, and uh, it's going to be just Saturday afternoon. Uh, so 1 p.m. till 5 p.m. It's going to be fantastic if you're in Toowoomba or, or Miles or some of the uh, towns around Dolby, then um, please head on in. That's in two weeks on the 26th of November. And of course, tickets are on sale for the big show in Brisbane uh, on the 3rd and 4th of March next year. Um, encourage you to get the early bird pricing on that uh, while you can. But that is it for this episode of Pellow Talk. Uh, been fantastic having your company, and we will see you next week. Today, we need a special kind of courage, not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.